Uh, I'm going to pick up on this series of um, serving like a disciple, but also tie it into the season that we're in, of course, at the moment. Should we read the Bible? Let's read Philippians chapter 2, uh, from verse 1 to 12, please. Um, it says, therefore, I'll read it from here. What version is this? Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. This is the word of God. It is. So I just want to pick up on, we're talking about serving like a disciple, using the book of Philippians. I'm really majoring on disciples who serve and... Um, Serving the gospel, serving one another, serving by the Spirit. We're just going through, trying to go through some of this. And I want to stay, between now and after Christmas, I want to stay in Philippians 2, because there's so much powerful stuff here. But it is really um, apt that today we're talk, I'm going to talk about humility. Um, especially as yesterday, some of us were privileged to go to a, an event in honour of Victor at the university in Bedford. And it was astounding. I, I was absolutely blown away. Because you know the Victor we knew here? You know the Victor we knew here? Exactly the same Victor they knew over there. It, it was like you could have been in a church hearing us speak, but they didn't use Bible language. Uh, they got up repeatedly and said things like, said things like, I've never known anybody that I've how do I say this? I, they never heard a bad word said about him, and they don't know anybody else like that. I could have said that much better. Um, and to hear the difference he'd made in changing people's lives, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of ages. And um, we, I was proud. Were you proud? I, I was just proud. This is, and, and for Helen and the kids there, it's great to see Helen and Victor Jr. here this morning. They were just so proud that this is the Victor that we knew. And it just seems really apt today that we are talking about somebody um, like Victor when we're talking about humility, um, because it was who he was. And now, of course, we have this sad and yet 
thankful task of adding one more saint to the Hall of Fame of those who knew real humility, and that is uh, Jane. And these two, and I, and I wanted to do this, uh, this uh, series really, not only in honour of Victor, but that what he sowed will not end, but will grow in us. Uh, he, laid a le- he left a legacy and he laid a seed. And now we have the power of Jane's legacy to add to that. And I am determined that we do not settle uh, and just think it's all going to finish now. Uh, do you think we should still pray for the sick? Amen. You know, we need to shout, yes. <laughs> we are going to keep praying for the sick. We're going to keep believing for the many thousands. We're going to keep believing for the outpouring of the Spirit. We're going to keep believing for the kingdom to come in Northampton. Yes. That Northampton is changed. We don't have to go downhill to the end. Right? I believe we can go uphill to the end. The road, the future is a rising road. That wasn't Jesus, was it? It was that. I think it was Roosevelt. I think it was Roosevelt. Fred, uh, yeah. The, the, the future is a rising road. And we've got to rise to meet that. And I want to use the inspiration of, of Victor and Jane to help us in that. Of course, they weren't perfect. I know Jane wasn't perfect. Helen and Victor will probably tell you that, that Victor wasn't perfect. But we believe to build on, on their legacy. Serving others was the speciality of Victor and Jane. I have been poorly this week, which is why I sound a bit like I do. So forgive me if, I, if my voice runs out. Um, serving others was a speciality of Victor and Jane. And their humility meant they were as comfortable talking to kings as they were talking to villains. It meant they were comfortable talking to princes as they were to paupers. And it meant they were as comfortable talking to high-flying saints as they were to low-lying sinners. And I believe the development, church, the development of true humility is vital for anyone who wants to serve and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We have to develop a humble heart and a humble attitude. You know, when you meet somebody... When you start talking to somebody, there's all kinds of algorithms that go on in your mind, thought processes. As you look at somebody, you think about their background, or you think about the way they look, or you think about whether they're like you or not like you, and your mind can process all kinds of information about, about what you think about somebody, and based on what you think about somebody, can determine the way you treat somebody, and can determine the way... You are towards somebody. We make assessments and judgments based on someone's background, their appearance. Maybe in these weeks, their political views. Or in church, their theological beliefs. Maybe their status or their track record. How does this person compare to me? How does this person compare to my standards? And our mind spins around and it causes us to accept or reject to varying degrees based on how that algorithm is running our minds. What I love about Victor and about Jane was there's one overriding element to their thought process, and it was love. Love. The person in front of me was created by God. They're loved by God. They don't deserve it, but neither did I. All I want to do is see them flourish to achieve what God birthed them to be. And that is such a powerful 
element to our thinking because it gives us position of influence for the kingdom in people's lives. And we see that we saw that yesterday with Victor. Victor, heart, character, attitude gave him access into people's lives that he, he changed people for good. And I believe we see that in, in our Jane as well. They modelled a Christ-likeness with increasing intensity, intensity. Such service of others takes a humility rooted in the nature of Christ. Philippians 2, we've read it. It's one of my favourite pieces of scripture, one of the few blocks of scripture I pretty much know by heart. But it just tells us the heart attitude of Christ, who laid aside his glory in order that he could rescue us from the terrible situation that we were in. He didn't leave behind his God nature. He was man and God. We're clear on that, I hope. But he did lay aside his glory. And he laid aside his rights to be treated according to that glory in order that he could be our atoning sacrifice. He was equivalent to God. He was God. And if he walked into any room at any time, in any debating chamber, in any church, he would by his very nature immediately have his way. Do we understand that? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There's no arguing with him. There's no debating with him. He is always right. We are always wrong. Do we understand that? He's, he's God. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. Who knows what that means? He's omnipotent. He knows everything. Elijah, omniscient. Okay. Omnipresent is everywhere, is it? I said you should have preached. I said to him, what are you going to preach this morning? He's like, didn't I? And I said you should have come. Omniscient, I think, is all-knowing. I don't know. He's omni lots of things, and they're all good. Right? But you know what? This is who he is. And he has that right. He has that right in any situation. So when he came to earth, for him to win us back to himself, we understand he had to lay aside all those rights. He voluntarily laid us them aside because otherwise, if it had come in all his glory, he'd have won us back, but we'd have, we'd have had to do it. It'd be like a kidnapping. Do you see what I mean? He would have, we, you know, we've got to bow down to him. But he came to earth, as it were, dare I say, as our equal. Maybe in some regards, he made himself lower than that in order that we might see the heart of the Father's, the, the depth of the Father's love for us, that we would respond because we were drawn to him and not forced to him. And this morning we have been drawn to him, haven't we? No one's made you become a Christian. He's drawn us, it's complicated, there's theology involved. But in the end, we've been drawn by his love. And in order to show us that love, he had to lay aside his rights and his glory. He came humbly to show us the depth of the love the Father has for you and for me. We can't fully comprehend what it meant for the Son of God to lay aside his glory. I was trying to think of equivalence that when we have to give something up and how painful it is. You know, when you want to watch the football and your wife says, let's go for a walk. Okay, because I love you, I'll do it. The pain pain of missing the football I lay aside my rights because I love my wife so I do it all the time don't I love 
Always. Doesn't always work the other way around, but that's okay. But that's nothing, is it, compared to the Son of God laying aside the right of his glory in order that he might come and be what we needed to be. We can feel the pain of giving something up or laying something down. But it's nothing compared to the one who did not consider his equality with God something to be held on to. But he took the nature of a servant. The more I experience life and the older I get, because I'm going to be 40 in February. Um, who was that? Where's the honour in this church? Um, and where's the truth as well? The more the older I get, the more I realise humility is a bedrock for Christ-likeness. Humility is a bedrock that we build our Christ-likeness on. The more I see it, and the more I, I see myself, the more I realise humility. And I'm going to try and unpack that a bit today. I'm going to get to the first two verses of Philippians, but I may not get there because of, because of time. But... Um, I just want to lay this foundation of humility. A lack of humility puts conditions on everything, manages and controls our responses. And a lack of humility hardens unhealthy traits. Personality or character abnormalities are hardened. And I find this especially as I get older. It's harder to change. And it's harder to accept other people and other people's opinions. I get so mad watching and listening to people <laughs> on the television that I just turn it off. I can't, I can't use Facebook. I just can't use it. I can't... I don't know how you just sit there and scroll and read nonsense. <coughs> See, I'm being judgmental now. <coughs> read nonsense that I think... I, I, so I just... I, did, I, I just get so, I find it so harder to change. But yet the very basis of becoming more like Christ is that we change... We don't try and change the people around us. Do we understand that? The very because that's that's the issue about humility, and we've been doing this with the men, haven't we? When we meet on a on a, a Monday night, the that we have got the courage to look and say, you know what, the issue isn't yours; the issue is mine. The issue is that my heart needs to change, not that I need to change your heart. I mean, I like the way Mark speaks or dresses. I like both. Um, and I can, you know, I can get, a, but actually, have I got the courage to say, actually, it's my issue? It takes humility to put his marks, who Mark is, above me. It takes humility, and it becomes harder to change, I find. It's hard to change with a lack of humility. And I'm finding as I get older, it gets harder. Humility has to be the bedrock, a bedrock, that I build my life on. Jesus lived for 33 years, but how his heart must have ached as he saw what the people were doing to his world. He saw what his people were doing to his world. And the last three years especially, as he walked around and saw what the religious leaders were doing to the word of God, what they saw the people were living in their sin, how he, it must have hurt him. And how he must have wanted to just said, I can just change this now. If I come in my glory, I can change this now. But he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his rights in order to extend the love of the Father. The essence of discipleship is change. 
the essence of Christ-likeness is that I die that he might live. And without humility, it's really hard to change. It's really hard to change. And in our current climate, in our country right now, when there's so much debate, there's so much discussion, so much division, and I, it hurt, I don't like it. I don't really like it. But people just speak so authoritatively about stuff they don't really know anything about. And when we're facing situations, do we have the courage to say, you know what, maybe I need to change. Maybe I need to lower myself. It takes humility. It takes a lot of humility. And I was thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to stand here for a minute. In fact, no, it's okay. Um, it's interesting to me that humility isn't listed as a fruit of the Spirit. It's not there. I would have, I would have put it there, because I know better than Paul. And the Holy Spirit. But humility isn't listed as a, as a fruit. And why is that? And I think it's given. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to be humble. Because the, it's built in the, into the DNA of our salvation, isn't it? That Jesus made himself nothing. That he could love us and bring <coughs> us back to the Father. Therefore, why would we do anything else? What right do we have to stand in judgment over somebody else? What right do we have to think I'm better than somebody else? What right do I have to think that he deserves the love of God, but she doesn't? It's built into our DNA. And I was just thinking about this, and this might be all I do today. Um, definitely will be all I do today. Just think about how we develop the fruit of the Spirit devoid of humility. How do we develop in the fruit of the Spirit devoid and without humility? Love. What does love look like without humility? Love becomes something that's earned. Love becomes something that depends on whether someone deserves it or not. Some people get love, other people don't. I become the standard by which I decide who gets love and therefore who gets the Father's love. Christ's humility meant he loved all, sinner and saint, Jew and Gentile, men and women. Ethnic backgrounds, gender backgrounds, social backgrounds didn't mean anything to him. He loved everybody the same with the love of the Father. No one had to earn love from Jesus. It was made possible because of his humility. Joy. What does joy look like without humility? Joy without humility means we only get happy about the things that we want. We only become happy when I get what I want. And what becomes really hard is when we see somebody else getting good stuff and I don't. You ever seen that? You ever seen somebody get the house you want? Somebody get the holiday you want? Somebody get the car you want? Somebody get the wife you want? <laughs> joy, real joy. Finds, you know, Jesus did the most amazing miracles and he sent his disciples out and they did miracles just as good, just as amazing. And Jesus wasn't threatened. It supercharged his joy, didn't it? It, it accelerated his joy because he didn't mind other people coming into what he'd experienced. But when we have joy without humility, we end up just being made happy by the things that we get. What does peace look like without humility? Peace, my peace becomes dependent 
upon how I compare my situation with other people. My peace is disturbed when I see other people succeeding, who I don't think should get that. And my peace so often mirrors what I feel about other people. Jesus stood, didn't he, before the high priest in a kangaroo court that was flaunting his father's words and was treating him like a common gutter criminal. And they sentenced him to death, yet he was at perfect peace. He could have risen up and just brought heaven down on all of them. But he kept peace as a sheep before his shearer is silent, made possible because of humility. What is patience like without humility? It takes humility to remain patient. When I'm get, not getting what I want and when I want it. So often I have to battle feelings of entitlement. It's not fair. Remember your kids saying that? It's not fair. They've got, oh, why don't I get, I've been saving, I've been working, I've been, it's not fair. The problem is lots of adults keep saying the same thing. <laughs> We don't grow out of it. It's not fair. You know what? Life isn't fair. Do we understand life isn't fair? God never promised it would be fair. Promised that we have troubles. But you know, justice will be done. I just want to say that today. Justice is going to be done. Justice is a big feature of the Bible all the way through justice. Justice will be done. He is a just God. And the things that you're waiting for to see come to an end, for justice to be done, it will be done because he is the judge of all things. And for all eternity, his judgments will last. And you can't change things now. Just trust him. Just trust him. Put your trust in him. He'll do it. He'll sort it out. But we need patience. So, and our pride can get hurt when things don't happen when we want it. We want others to get their just rewards and us to get what we've worked for. It's hard to work so when you're working hard and you don't get the results. I've not got what I deserve. <coughs> Humility says, I'm not working for what I get, I'm working for him. He becomes higher than me. Jesus said for the joy set before him, he enjoyed the cross. He was patient because he knew his reward would come. But that took humility when things weren't going his way. Kindness. What does kindness look like without humility? Without humility, our kindness is graded, awarded according to who the person is and what they're doing and whether they deserve it. Without humility, it's all too easy to treat, to, it's all too easy to treat others in the opposite way to the way God treated us. Jesus showed kindness to the most scandalous, undeserved people in society. By the way, that's the category to which we belong. I am the most scandalous, undeserved person. And yet I've been a benefit of his kindness. His kindness. Whether I'm talking about what he did at the cross, but even through my life, when I haven't followed him as I should, I haven't obeyed him as he should. He's been so kind in giving me my family, my children. So kind that all the resources we have around us. God is so kind. Have I deserved any of it? No. He's done it. Yet without humility, our kindness is measured and judged. And this season, we're going to say, I bring you good news of great joy. His kindness for all people.
Hallelujah. Goodness, the same as kindness. Goodness without humility. Again, we just give it to those people who deserve it, who we think deserves it. Faithfulness. It takes great humility to be faithful. Without humility, faithfulness becomes so hard, becomes such a drag. When we don't get the rewards, we believe our hard works deserve. Jesus was faithful to the end. Right up to his last breath, he could have called down legions of angels to deal with those idiots around him. Couldn't he? But he was faithful to the end. Because he was serving his God and not his own purposes. <coughs> Gentleness. Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a beautiful fruit of the Spirit. How hard it is to be gentle without humility. In the heat of debate. In frustrating circumstances. Where things just aren't working out. What is our response without humility? How can we treat someone with respect that is due to every person, maintaining a gentle attitude without humility? When our flesh is screaming at us to let this person in front of us know just what they deserve, just what they should get. I had a beautiful story from Sidney about this, again, about uh, Jane, when she went into, the, um, into an appointment and been waiting for this to happen for a while and... and she gets to the lady at the desk and the lady says, I'm sorry, you're not on our system. And Sidney was saying, Jane, tell them, get mad. Because Jane was just, oh, you know what Jane was like? She didn't like confrontation that much. And uh, Sidney said, oh, Jane took this woman to one side and just gently said, listen, I need this. Here's my letter. I know it's not your fault. And in all the stress, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful way of dealing. Sometimes we get cross, especially with our kids. <laughs> okay. But there is a way that takes humility, that treats people with respect, even when it's our flesh that wants to shout and scream. And that takes a great deal of humility. And then I'm just thinking of humility without self-control, without humility. I think self-control is humility internally expressed because the very act of denying what I want in order to please somebody else. I'm laying down my carnal desires, if you like, in order that Jesus Christ gets the glory that my obedience to him is greater than my own desires. How many times must Jesus have battled the internal desire to let it rip? at people who deserved it because they were being so stupid and so dishonouring of his father. And yet he didn't. He remained humble because he wanted to obey the father. There are, of course, other attributes which enable us to bear good fruit. But I think humility is a bedrock which keeps our Christ-likeness journey on an upward curve as we battle the gravitational forces of circumstances, of disappointments, of environment and age. Humility. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about how I feel every time. It's about laying myself down that other people can rise up. And this, this morning, I just want to honour Victor and Jane in that. 
who weren't perfect, as I say, but they modeled this. Their love for one was the same as their love for all and was greater than their love for themselves. And that is the, ba- that is the basis of humility. And if we're going to reach our worlds, we have to do it like Jesus did it, with humility. You have to. You can, scrap, you can shout and scream and tell people they're wrong, tell people they're doing it this way or the other. You can go on Facebook, you can go on this or the other and just have your say. But if we're going to reach the world, we have to reach the world the way Jesus reached us, and that's with humility. We have to have the courage to look at what, we, what we're saying and, and look at situations and just say, you know what, is it not more about do I need to change them or is it me that needs to change? All the things that I've, that, that I've grown up believing or seeing or thinking. Is it possible that I need to look at myself and say, you know what, I need to go lower. I need to go lower in order that I can see other people raised up. So I'm going to, we've run out of time, really. Um, I'm just going to talk about next time these this opening to Philippians 2, which I've been doing some reading into, these if statements of Paul's. But this morning, I just want to really honour Victor and honour Jane, that their legacy of humility, their humility opened the doors. I always think of that um, Jesus in agony on a cross. And he's dying. And one turns to him and says, remember me. Remember me. What kind of man does it take in that circumstance not to say, excuse me, I have some of my own problems right now. I'm the son of God here and I'm dying for the whole world. Can you just give me some space? (laughs) Give me some peace and we'll see what happens to you later. Because obviously you're not as important as me. Humility gives you access into people's lives. Calm down, Sidney. Humility gives you access into people's lives. How many people we sought to influence that we frighten them away because of our attitude? Humility opens doors. <coughs> Humility that I will treat everybody the same. I won't grade them based on how they look or where they're from or their status because they have a different political view or a different theological view then I'll grade my love, I'll grade my my heart towards them. That's not what Jesus did for you, and it's not what we should do for others. Humility is the bedrock, is a bedrock that we need to build upon to reach the many thousands in this town. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads. The Holy Spirit's spoken a lot this morning. Um, But just for a few minutes, let's just be still before his presence. And when you just want to consider those that fruit of Christ-likeness, love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And ask yourself, am I seeing them grow? Do I see the increasing move towards Christ-likeness? But maybe the issue you have is that you're viewing everything from me. You're viewing all the externals and looking at them saying, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right, that's wrong, that's not fair. Why has that happened? I haven't got what I thought I should get. And this morning, just gently, the Holy Spirit wants to turn our gaze inwards to say, I loved you without holding anything back. I have a joy that you can have that's not dependent on what's happening around you. I have peace to pour in that you don't have to earn. I've been so kind to you when you didn't deserve it. I've been so good to you when you didn't deserve it. So gentle to you when you don't deserve it. What do we do about that? I think we turn to God in repentance. We turn to him and say, God, I lay myself down. I turn aside for my self-centered thinking. However much you think you deserve it, however much you think you've earned it, the kingdom works this way. I lay myself down. I lay myself down. I lay my rights down. And from that point, I raise my cry, God help me. God help me. God help me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you today so much for the privilege of having people like Victor and Jane in our lives who lived and modelled to us such a high form of love and humility. God, I thank you that they shared that love and humility with us. But God, in many ways, we're not looking there today. We're looking to the perfect picture of love and humility that you emptied yourself of your glory, that you made yourself like a man, you humbled yourself and you became obedient to death on a cross. God, I pray that we would from today, Jesus, just have the courage to look at ourselves and not at other people, to allow that fruit to grow in our lives. And God, where we're looking at people with judgmental eyes, where we're looking condescendingly on certain groups of people or individuals, where we think we've got a right to look down on them because of what they've done, because of what they've said or because of who they are. I pray, Holy Spirit, this morning, help us to give you permission to deal with that because that's not damaging them, it's just damaging me. And Father, I'm trying to treat somebody else in exactly the opposite way that you've treated me. And we know your parables. We know about the man who was forgiven a great debt and then the one who wouldn't forgive a small debt. We understand that, God. 
So I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come now and begin a work of humility in our hearts. I'm not talking about being weak people. I'm not talking about being feeble people. You are the most humble person who ever walked our planet, and yet you were the strongest. Humility gives us access to your throne room and access into people's lives. So I pray you'd help us, dear God. This coming week, help us to love people as you love them. Help us to be kind to people as you were kind to them. We don't have to agree with everybody, but God, we can love people. Let that be our modus operandi in this place. That we love with the love of Jesus. God, I bless every person here today. I bless every household. I bless every marriage. I bless every wallet. God, I bless every, ch every child. I bless every resource that flows into our lives, that it would flow out for your glory in Jesus' name. That we would carry that glory that has now been released into our world. We would carry into a dark world and bring the light of life to those who need it. So I just bless every one of us here. Make us more like you, Jesus, I pray, that we might be all that you intended us to be. I bless everybody here today. And God, just now I commit to you, we pray right now for Friday, that you will bless that gathering at St. Giles. May it be a play, may it be, I know there's going to be sadness, but may there be such joy and thankfulness. And may your Holy Spirit be there, I pray, in Jesus' name. I pray for Thursday, God, as we go to vote, Jesus. I pray for our country. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would... I just look and more and more as we see the division and the difficulties. God, I believe you're priming our nation for a move of your Holy Spirit. Because it's only you and your, and your gospel that's going to change anything, really. We can belong here and belong there. It doesn't matter. We need your Holy Spirit. So God, I just pray, God, in all of your working out of that, Father, we, ask, we pray, yet your will be done in our nation, God. And as we vote, we vote with a good conscience, we vote with a heart of love, we vote with a heart of obedience to you. But God, I ask God that your will will be done in our nation, I pray in Jesus' name. God, I pray for our nation. Lord, I pray, let there be a release of your love, of your joy and of your hope. We are so divided, God. It's so horrible to see. I pray, Jesus, that, you, that the door would open for the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring new life, God, I pray in your name. And Northampton would experience the move of God that brings many to you, I pray in Jesus' name. So we bless this coming week. And I thank you for hearing these, my family, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Tea and coffee is remaining and biscuits. As it's a Sunday, the biscuits are calorie free. Uh, any help in clearing away would be appreciated. God bless you all. Thank you.